All right, well, good evening. So, children in the room, I'm guessing you have plans. Plans over the next uh, 24 hours. You've got, you're looking forward to things tonight, tomorrow morning. For us adults, we look forward to the interactions and, and watching the wonder of the faces of our children as they open gifts. And, and then we interact with family and, uh, and talk about perhaps the Eagles lost tonight. Um, uh, hey, I recognize this is probably the highest percentage of Eagles fans of the three services are here right now. Admit it. How many of you came because the Eagles game is after this service? All right. There's a few honest people in the room. Okay. Well, we welcome you here tonight. This is meant to be a time of family, a time of interaction, but it's also a time of worship. As we begin this special 24 hours of time where we remember the first advent, the coming of Christ, and coming in this powerful way that he did. So let's begin this time by praying, and then we'll get into our time of actual singing and worship of him. So Father God, you instituted this story from the very beginning. When you created us and, and then that, that sin entered the world, you were undaunted. You knew that you had a plan from the beginning that when Adam and Eve failed, you were going to redeem mankind because you loved us so much. But you said in Genesis 3 that you were going to do so through the offspring of a woman. And then it was prophesied that, again, you were going to make this a miraculous birth. When even in, in the Old Testament, it says this will be a virgin birth, which was probably strange for so many uh, prophets and people over the centuries leading into this. But then for us on this side of that birth, we look back upon it and say, what a story you wrote. And Jesus, for you to have humbled yourself to become a child, also that we, we could be redeemed by your work on the cross. We say thank you. And we celebrate you tonight. We celebrate that coming to be mindful of all that happened. And so may you be glorified and may you have a smile to your face by our worship. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Gloria in excelsis Deo. That phrase means glory in the highest to God. And I've been looking forward to singing those words with you all year. So let's stand together. Let's join the song of the angels as we lift up our great God.
This is the moment that every year we have no idea what's going to happen. Would those children that are between the ages of four and eight, please come up and join me at this time if you want. Uh, I'm going to read a story from, that's about the, the night of nativity. And so just come on down. You can sit up here where I'm standing on this part or on the floor around it. So if you're between the ages of four and eight, feel free. Come on up. And I might give you something at the end. I say might because if you take over my microphone, I'm not giving you anything. So yeah, you guys can come all around the stage here. It's great. We'll give some of those that had to come a long ways from up top some time. Wow, you guys look awesome. Some of you girls are in nice dresses. Some of you guys have bow ties on. Yeah, you do have a bow tie. Looks great. You can be nine. That's fine. I, especially if you're here helping somebody, you know. We don't cart around here, so. All right. Ah, good to see all of you. So. Every year, I get an opportunity to have a moment with children during this service, and I like to use a, a storybook that will tell part of the story that night. Now, I'm going to read it from here, but you guys can look at the back screen right behind me and be able to see the pictures I'm looking at and be able to read along if you know how to read. So uh, it's going to be up there behind me, and if you guys do a really good job listening, uh, then I will give you something at the end. Now, it's not conditional. I'm going to give you something at the end. I genuinely am kind. I, I'm going to have a helper as well. Uh, so we'll go ahead and read the story. So again, you can look behind me. So you can go ahead and put the first page on behind the screen so I can uh, see it. So this is the book I'm going to be reading tonight. It's Twas the Night by William Dean. So here we go. We'll read the first page. So Twas the Night Before Christmas and all through the land, not a creature suspected that God had become man. So hear now this story that tells of God's grace. Long ago was the time, and Bethlehem was the place. People were coming from miles around to register in this quaint little town. They had to pay taxes. It was Caesar's decree. But God had a plan to save you and me. The town was asleep and the streets were all bare, unaware that two travelers soon would be there. The man was called Joseph, his wife named Mary, plus one yet unborn that God told her to carry. And when they had arrived in the dark of the night, there was only one place that still had a light. While Mary sat patting her soft little mound, Joseph went to the inn, but no room could be found. There's room in the stable, the innkeeper said, with plenty of straw for making a bed. Now, I have a question for you. Have you ever been in a barn? Have you ever seen what cattle eat out of? They got this, usually a wooden box, and they're eating on it. That was the first bed that Jesus had. That's a strange first bed, but that's exactly what happened that night. So continuing on, it says, So Mary and Joseph made their home in a stall as their eyelids grew heavy and started to fall. 
All of a sudden, there rose such a clatter. Joseph woke from his sleep and asked, what's the matter? Her time was upon her. It wouldn't be long. The birth of our Savior, so helpless yet strong. And then it was over his cry, split the night. Our darkness was driven away by his light. The heavens were opened by this blessed event. And glorious angels from heaven were sent to shepherds attending their flocks on a hill, not expecting the sight that would break the night chill. Speaking of night chill, it's cold outside, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's probably it was a cool night like that. Yeah, it's freezing outside. Yeah. So an angel who lit up the sky with his glory delivered the news of this wondrous story. Don't be afraid, were the words he proclaimed. A savior is born, is how he explained. The news that he carried from heaven to earth about God's good intentions with this child's birth. The night then exploded with angels on high, giving glory to God before saying goodbye. Let's go into town, the old shepherd said, then expressed a mere thought going round in his head. We have, we have to go see all the things we have just heard. Because a babe in a manger is frankly absurd. And when they arrived, t'was as the angel had said. A well-weathered manger being used for a bed. The cattle were lowing while he slept on the hay. As shepherds crept closer to see where he lay. Wrapped oh so tightly in swaddling clothes. So all you could see were his eyes and his nose. His mother, now resting, was happy to share all that took place under God's tender care. How this miracle happened, how the die had been cast, a virgin with child foretold in the past. After hearing from Mary what all had occurred, they went on their way, loudly spreading the word. And as they were leaving, the night echoed again, peace on earth and goodwill to all men. You see, the very, very, very first gift of Christmas was actually Jesus himself. It says in the book of Romans, written to us by God, saying that, you know, all of us, we have earned something that separates us from God, but, but there's a gift that he gives and that is Jesus Christ. And he gives that gift to you and I so that we can have relationship with God himself. So as you celebrate Christmas this night and tomorrow, just remember that every gift you open was not the first gift as Jesus was the first gift. And he came because he loved you and me. It's a special time that we are celebrating over these next 24 hours. Enjoy it celebrate, laugh a lot, say thank you a lot to the people that give you gifts, and be grateful. Does that sound good? You guys did really, really well. So I have a special elf in flannel over here that is going to help you. And, uh, and I also have gifts over here. So you can either, if you're closer to, to my friend Steve over here, then you can go uh, over there or you can come over to me over here. And we have wristbands we're going to give you that will remind you of the Christmas story. Thank you again for being so good.
Let's, let's give a round of applause for the kids for being so well behaved. That's so good. Well, once again, I want to welcome you, especially if you are a guest, if you're, this is your first time here, you've been invited by friends or family, I just want to say welcome. We are so glad that you're with us, that you've chosen to be with us this evening on Christmas Eve. Uh, if this is your normal church, then I just want to take this time to remind you that for many of us, this is our weekly gathering with Christmas being on a Sunday this year. So I just want to take this time to remind you of the ways that you can be giving as an act of worship. When we gather together, we worship by singing, we worship by fellowshipping together, we worship through prayer, through the receiving of the word, and we also worship through giving. This is a way that we acknowledge that God is the most important thing in our lives, and we acknowledge that we can trust that he will provide for us. So I just to remind you of that. Hearing that Christmas story, whether it's in kids' terms or adult terms, whatever it is, it strikes me every year. Uh, and I love the term Emmanuel, God with us. Every year we take this time to remember the giving of our Savior to us in human form to remind us and to know that God is not distant. He is not uncaring. He is God with us. He is present and he cares. So what we get to celebrate and sing about in this season is a God that is present and cares about every single person in this room who desires deliverance and redemption for every single person in this room. So we celebrate that and we meditate on it. So I want to invite you as we sing these words to meditate on that and to just rejoice and rest in the peace that our Savior has brought.
Lord, we are thankful, God, for, for the season and all the blessings that it brings. But more importantly, we are thankful for a God that cares, for a God that is not distant, but that is close. So as we turn our eyes towards that God, would you make us aware of your presence even here in this room? Has you made your people aware of your presence when you came to rescue us? you showed up as a human. Lord, we rejoice in the God of all eternity, the God outside of time and any physical boundaries. We rejoice in that God stepping into our world, stepping into our sins, stepping into our mess and our chaos. Lord, I think of all the times over the past year that I needed your help, your peace, your strength, and I remember every single time that you proved that you are Emmanuel, you are God with us, you are here. So Lord, meet us here again like you have done so many times before and turn our eyes towards you. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. son is coming. He is my gift to you. He is your hope. He is your joy. He is your peace. He is coming so that you might have life. Behold, he is Christ the Lord. Well, I want to give a little bit of instruction to the children for a moment. If you received this as your gift, this is actually a slap bracelet. You can fit any size. Just do that, and it goes all the way around. So if you haven't figured out what you have in your hands, now you do know. It is indeed a little bracelet, so I just wanted to make sure and give instruction to that. Again, you can do that, and I'll just keep it there for me. Well, if you are not even a follower of Jesus, even if you have very little church exposure, it doesn't take much by about around the end of October that there are signs that says something is coming, that there's something special is coming. And, and, and we know that for most of us that you are preparing for Christmas, I mean, it's right around that Halloween time where everything goes from uh, jack-o'-lanterns and spiders and things like that, and those things get off the shelf real quick, and then everything starts becoming red and green, and, and angels are put up, stars are put up, depending what town. It doesn't matter where you go. The signs are actually saying a special day is coming. Over the last couple of weeks, I've actually been in several different places. I've been to Hershey three times. Let me tell you, Hershey gets into Christmas. Uh, they, it doesn't take much when you get around that there's all kinds of things that's saying it's the Christmas season. Uh, we also go up to Tioga County fairly often. When you go into Wellsboro, it tells you it is Christmas. That town, again, is beautiful. But we also have a very special little town around us, whether you're from Township, Mannheim, Ephrata, Lebanon County. Lidditz is known as being a special little Christmas town. 
And, uh, and so, but the signs all point to tomorrow, a celebration. I just received an email from one of our global partners in another country, and they were talking about this fascination of their country, the country they're living in, that is primarily Buddhist, and, and they're curious about what this Christmas thing is all about. And so they, they see the signs of it from all the movies and different things that happen here in America. They hear it in the songs, and they want to know, what is this pointing to? And it gives our global partners in other parts of the world an opportunity to be able to communicate that all the signs you see from angels and stars, shepherds, and manger scenes, they're all pointing to a day that we celebrate tomorrow. But that day happened 2,000 years ago. And just like what may be going on for some people in the world where they see all these signs and they simply walk by them, they don't even, they don't even consider what they might be pointing to, so also in the very first Christmas, there was a major sign that was not seen or beheld by people that were living in that time. And that is the star itself. I mean, if you drive through Lidditz coming in here to our church today, you'll know that what we put on our lampposts in our little town are stars. And that's because it's pointing to the star. But there's also a unique star that is to this area, the Moravian star. And, uh, and I've never seen a Moravian star until I moved uh, to south central Pennsylvania a few years ago. And, and it's a very beautiful star. But again, what's it pointing to? It's pointing to the star. But I want to talk, read the passage tonight that refers to that star. And what was interesting was how it was missed by so many. So Matthew chapter 2, and it's going to be on the screen. And you can read along if you wish. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, and the, the Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and, after they, after, and the star they had seen, when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And then they saw the star, and they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream, they did not go back to Herod. They returned to their country by another route. So in this text, you have a few characters that we know as the Magi or the three wise men. 
That's because the term magi refers to people that were known as, as counselors or wise people, astrologers. And, uh, and so it can mean several of those things. But they were all considered, if you had the term magi, it was considered you were extremely wise and you were learning and a discerner. So these magi in particular studied the stars. And they became very curious by the star. And they were able to somehow make the connection that it's Jesus and that it's this Christ child that had been prophesied. So here it is. They're in a far country, likely from somewhere near Babylon. And so there are several nations away. They see this star. They somehow know about this star pointing to an Israel, Israelite child. So they had to have had some kind of access to the scriptures that would point there. And so if you look in Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, which will be on your screen, you'll see what perhaps pointed them that the star was pointing to the Christ child when it says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. So these wise men somehow had been curious by the Hebrew texts, had studied it well enough that when this star showed up that had not been seen before, they were immediately searching all their wisdom literature, trying to find what it could connect to. And they found one place. It must be this child that is going to come and rule Israel. Which is why it says, scepter will rise out of Israel. So they saw him as being royal and as a king. But what I find interesting about this whole story is, only the wise men took notice. Now the star was there. It was observable. But people hadn't been studying what they saw. They hadn't taken notice. They just saw, again, beautiful night, many stars, but they hadn't taken notice that there was a new star in the sky. Because new stars, stars don't just appear. Perhaps a comet. But beyond that, stars don't just appear. So they were curious by it. They traveled so far that they wanted to come and see it. But those who were near where the star was going to point them to hadn't even paid attention to it. So what I find interesting is when they come up to Herod and they say, hey, we are here to come and worship this king that has been born that's going to be king of the Jews. And Herod's like, what do you mean? Well, we followed his star. Then Herod, which again is interesting in this, is that he had to ask, where is this Messiah supposed to be born? That was, that was accessible information for him. But he himself was not Jewish. But yet he was the king of the Jews at that time. And so even he had missed out on preparing. He knew about there was a prayer by the, the Hebrew people praying for the Messiah to come. But he wasn't interested in the Messiah coming because he wanted to be king. He wanted to be known as Herod the Great. So he had not leaned in to study. But when he hears that these men from near Babylon come and they're saying, we've come to see this king that's been born of the Jews, he immediately knows, okay, I know there's prophecies about this, but I have no idea where, he's, where he was to be born. So the wise men that were of Israel, so the spiritual leaders of Israel tell him, it's in Bethlehem. 
But notice what it says about them, that as soon as they had heard that the, this star appeared connecting to the birth of this child, it says that the religious leaders and Herod were alarmed. Now, why is this the case? Why would you be alarmed, if, especially if you're the spiritual leaders of Israel? Why would you be alarmed when you've been praying for the Messiah to come? Well, they didn't want to be caught off guard. They had missed it. They had, they had been studying all those years, preparing for the Messiah to come, and they had missed his star that was very observable. And now it's being pointed out to them, and they realize, well, it's not supposed to be announced by Gentiles. These three wise men from the Babylonian area, that no, it shouldn't be announced by them. This possibly, it can't possibly be the Messiah and the Christ child. For Herod, the alarm is understandable because he doesn't want a threat to his leadership. So he comes up with a plan. If I, if I secretly express to these wise men that, hey, when you find him, tell, tell me where he's at so I may go and worship him as well, knowing that he would go and he would destroy that child. If you were to keep reading in that text, that's exactly what happened. The wise men didn't go back to Herod to tell him where this Christ child was. And Herod was enraged. And so what did he do? He sent his soldiers into Bethlehem. And all children under the ages of two were killed. But what's beautiful about this story is what happens when the Magi actually encounter Jesus. It says that when they saw him, they bent their knee. They worshipped him. It's not even their king. They're from a different country. But they saw that there was something special, that, that the God of the universe would place a star to announce this child's birth, that this is no ordinary king. So they travel from afar with expectancy. They see him. They worship. And then they gave. They gave gifts. And they were gifts that were worthy of a king. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Which I find ironic is that that was probably what was needed for Joseph and Mary to be able to pay for their trip, to escape to Egypt, to live there until Herod's anger subsided. So God provided a way of protection even for his son through Gentiles from a far distant country. So what do we learn from the Magi on that night? Is that while many who were supposedly the ones looking for Jesus to come, missed him. It was only those who were looking intently, beholding what was going on around, seeing what God was doing, that took notice that the star had actually arrived. So we learn from them what it means to look for God. We learn from them what it means to submit to him. And we learn from them what it means to worship by giving. Gentiles worshiping a Hebrew king. They knew something special had happened. So too today, we await the second return of Jesus. And we wait expectantly. And part of waiting expectantly is to learn from those who missed the first time his arrival. They missed all the things God was doing around them because they were not looking. God is at work today around you. Are you looking? Are you beholding his work? 
so that he could teach your heart. And so then as a result of that, you could submit to his work around you and then ultimately give back to him for all that he's done. That's the heart of worship. That's what draws us here. And so tonight, as the same way that that star broke through the darkness of a night and shone and drew the attention of many Gentiles, so we too today are drawn by the light of Jesus Christ. And we come here to worship. But then we, as an expression and as a token of what we have learned and understood from his light, we shine a light for others to see. So that's why the tradition of the candle lighting happens on Christmas Eve, is as light has come into the world, and we have received that light, so then we let that light be shown through us so that others can see and be drawn to him and worship as well. So this leads to our time of lighting the candles. And I want to give a few instructions to that time. If your candle is not is lit, you always keep it straight up and down. If you are having your candle lit, you take it in from the side to the lit candle like this. And then once it's lit, you hold it up. So the only the person with an unlit candle goes sideways. So I'm, I'm teaching. I know the adults understand this, but some of the older children are going to participate. And I want you to understand. Unlit candles can go like this until they're lit. But then from there on, they stay straight up and down. This is so that we can have a safe time doing this and also not such a quick exit. So I would hope that we can all do this together. And then at the end, we're going to be very careful in the way we blow out so we don't put wax all over the floor and over other people. Uh, So we'll do that together at the end. Uh, But let's have this time of worship in a special way, but in a safe way. Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus that this time of candle lighting would be used to your glory is that, yes, the light has come into the world. But this, that light who came into the world says that now we have become the light. As the light of Christ lights in us, then we can show to others. So we light these candles as a token and, and a, as a pledge to saying, you are the light, we have received that light, and now we show that light. So we praise you and we glorify you. Thank you, Jesus.
La 
stand together. The light of the world has been born, and it came to us in a very simple way, but yet a very striking way. No other person entered the world quite like him, and no one else left this world and ascended into heaven quite like him. And so we await his return with expectancy, and celebrating Christmas is a way to learn what it means to be watching. Let's not miss what God is doing around us. He desires a relationship with you. He desires your worship. He desires to see your life enveloped in the work that he wants to do among us all. So let the light of the world shine in your heart and then let that light that is in your heart be seen by others. Amen? Amen. Let's blow out the candles very carefully. From my home to your home, my family to yours, and on behalf of all those who have led us in worship tonight, we say to you, have a Merry Christmas celebrating the coming of the Christ child. Amen. You are dismissed.